want to say welcome to all you watching online, listening online, and then all of you guys here in the theater. We're, we're, I'm so excited for this new series that we're starting. Uh, I'm, I'm excited. It's going to be, a, a, I think, very helpful for many of us. Um, this, this video a while back since I showed this commercial of, of, this, of this journey, and I thought it was incredible. I saw it, and I was just like, I was, I was amazed by just some of the, the, the stories that were in it. Um, and we're going to be talking about something very similar today in the next few weeks. So I just want to invite you to, to be here, join us for the next few weeks, and, and I think you're going to enjoy it. Here, here's what the series is called, right? We are all blank. And each week we're going to be filling in that blank about a different issue, a different aspect of what we are as humans and what we are as people. Um, if, if you're new to church, or maybe you, this is your first time, um, or maybe you, maybe you haven't been in a long time, or maybe you come to church all the time, uh, the tendency is sometimes to think that everybody in this room has it all together. Like even though you might not have it together, you just you, the tendency to think well, everybody else doesn't understand me. And they have it all together. That they're, I bet they're perfect. Their life is perfect. And that is actually the furthest from the truth. One of the reasons we're in this room is because we a lot of us have recognized we're not perfect. We we have issues. We need help with our issues. In fact, everybody has issues. All every single one of us has has issues in our life. There is some area of our life that, that, that is an issue, that is, a, that is a challenge, that is a problem, uh, that's something we face. And if you would say, I don't have any issues, I would tell you, that is your issue. All right? And I'll give you the name. You want to know what the name is? The name is called denial. You're in denial about that issue. And until you figure it out, you won't ever be, be able to help get help. It, it's kind of like, um, you know, everybody has the crazy uncle or the crazy aunt or the crazy person in the family. And if you're saying, we don't have any crazy people in our family, Right? You're probably the person, and you just don't realize it. It's like the person at work. If, if they have a problem with everybody at work, and everybody's the problem, and everybody has something, can I tell you what, what the truth is? That person is probably the problem. Like, if you have a problem with everybody at work, you most likely are the problem. That's, that's your issue. And, and we're going to talk about that. What does this look like? Because uh, we want to help. Because uh, I, I get this all the time. People are looking you know, for, for a church that's perfect, uh, and we're not a perfect church. The Grove is by far, uh, we are not a perfect. If you are perfect, I would encourage you to get up, get up out of your seat and leave now because we will ruin you for being perfect because we're not a perfect church. And if you're a perfect person, you pick the wrong church because we're not perfect. We all have issues. We all have things that we're working through that we're dealing with, and we need God's help in this. And that's why this, this uh, series is so important because we want people to know that, that imperfect people, people that don't have it all together, they're welcome at the Grove. We welcome you. We want you here to, to join in this journey to help you as much as we can, and we want to invite you. So if you, if, um, um, here's the thing. When we talk about issues, uh, what, what I've learned is if you can't name the issue you won't be able to solve the issue. If you can't give the issue a name, it'll never be solved. Here, here's a, 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 a quote you, guys, you, can, you can go and tweet or you can Facebook. Is, is unnamed issues go unsolved. If there is an issue that's unnamed, it will go unsolved. As long as you can identify it and say what it is, you'll never be able to, to, to fix it. So the next few weeks, we're going to be talking about some of these issues, and we're going to be giving them a name because we want to be able to call it what it is so we can be able to address it and figure out how to move beyond it. So the first issue, we are all blank. Today, I want you to know that we are all crazy, all right? You're crazy. I'm crazy. We all have a little bit of crazy in us. And this is how I know. One of the definitions for crazy is, is, is cracks and flaws. Like, we all have cracks. We all have flaws. We all have things that, that we need to work on. We're all crazy in some way. I love, I love how Albert Einstein gave a definition of insanity. This is what he said. He said the definition of insanity to him, it's not a, the, in the dictionary, it's his definition of insanity, is doing the same thing over and over and expecting different results. 
So people that are, the definition of sanity is you just keep doing the same thing over and over, hoping that you're going to get different results. Well, it's insanity. You're doing the same thing, hoping one day it'll, it'll be fixed. Something will improve. Something will move on. Jesus told, us, told a lot of stories. One of my favorite stories that he told, probably one of his most popular, is called the prodigal son. He tells a story about this man who has two sons. And as the sons get older, one of the sons comes to his dad and says, Dad, I want my inheritance. Like, I'm ready to leave. I'm ready to go out and do my own thing and have my own life. So I want my inheritance. Give it to me. Which is really a a bad statement because what he's saying is, Dad, I don't love you. I don't care. I wish you were dead, essentially. I want my part, and I wish you were dead already because I can go live it. Well, his dad gives him the inheritance and gives him his part of it. And and his son leaves to to another country, another city, um, and begins to live what he thought was the, the good life. He began to live it up uh, with, with everything you probably can imagine he did to, to live the good life that he thought was the good life. And, 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 and he had fun for a while. It was a good season that Jesus said in his story. But at one point, eventually the money all ran out. And once the money ran out, all his friends all left, and he was all alone. And, and, and he was in another, another place, another land, another country, another city, wherever it was. And in this process, he found he was beginning to, to, to starve and go hungry. And he had to find something, and the only work he could find was serving pigs their food. Uh, he, the, the story is of, of a Jewish person, and so pigs were not, they weren't allowed to touch them, be around, and they're unclean. So in this story, in all of Jesus' stories, he's giving these details that are they're packed with so much information and so much helpful details that, that he's trying to get to something deeper here. And so in the middle of this, he's in the worst place he could ever be. He's abandoned his father, abandoned, abandoned God, abandoned his faith, everything. And he's, he's a very lost person. And all he could find is feeding pigs food. And he didn't have money enough, enough uh, money to, to, to survive, so he ate the food. He was around, the, he was around that. He was, he was dirty, all that stuff. And it says at one point he came to his, his, his right mind. He came to like his senses and said, wait, I'm a servant here in this guy's house feeding these pigs. My dad has servants. And, man, a lot of his servants like, are way better off than I am. And so his new thought was this, well, I've kind of abandoned my dad. I kind of left and essentially said, I don't want to be your son anymore. I don't want to be part of the family. But I bet if I go back, he would give me a job as a servant and I'd be able to live. And so it says he starts a journey on the way back. And in the journey, he begins to rehearse what he's going to tell his dad. You know, I'm sorry for this and, and begins this, this process. And this is the part of the story I love the most. Because the father, when Jesus is talking about the father, he's talking about God. And it's a picture of God and his love for us. And it says that the father was, when he saw the son off in a far off distance, when he saw his son in a, in a distance, he began to run towards his son. This is a couple of things about the father, about God, is he's waiting and looking for the lost. He's looking for the crazy people. He's looking for those that really, that, that, that need help, that, that, are, that, are, that are searching for help. And it says that when, they were, when he was far off, he began to, to look. He was expecting, he was waiting for that moment. And then it says he ran See, Jesus' day, if anybody of nobility, they wouldn't run. They're not in a hurry. They, they don't do that kind of stuff because they're noble. They're better than that. And the fact that he was able to run shows that his heart was more on the lost person than on what other people thought. And that's how God is. He loves us so much. And one of the things we're going to point out in this story is it didn't change until the son woke up to the thoughts that he was having and the patterns he was in. He was stuck in a lifestyle and in decisions and choices he made. And until he had a new way of thinking about something, he didn't act on it and didn't change things. But the story doesn't say how long he was there for, how long he suffered in that lifestyle, how long he was like that. We just know he was. And the moment that he came to his senses and realized there's something better here, 
Nothing would have changed unless he did that. It's a great story. You know, I, um, I, I enjoy reading books. I read a book by the, the, the Heath brothers. It's called Switch. It's really about how to, make, how to change things in, in business and in life and uh, when it's really hard to change things, like how to do it. And so they got all these different books that were about change and all the research that gone into it. They found all these stories about organizations who did great things around the world to make a really significant change. And they wrote about it. And, it, and throughout their whole study, they gave these, these three parts to, this, to their study. What, what I love is, is, the, is the Bible points all of these things out to us all the time. And they, they just kind of put it together. And I'm going to kind of just walk you through this. This is what they found. If you really want to change things, you have to have a couple of key components in place. The first one, you have to have the right direction. Like, like you have to have a destination, an idea, and a goal picked out that you want to get to. That's the, one of the starting points. You have to understand what you want in life, what you want in marriage, what you want in work, what you want, whatever area of life you're thinking about. You have to get that direction. They call this the rider. It's kind of like the person that's on top of the animal, right? So this is the logical part. Um, the person that thinks through things, reasons through things. It's our, it's our mind. It's our intellect. It's our, uh, our rationale. And this is the rider. Well, guess what the rider is riding? You can see it there. An elephant, right? So the second part of this is you need motivation. Motivation for the elephant. The elephant is the other part of us. It's the second part of us that's the emotional part of us. Uh, you all... Maybe not today, but sometime this week you will fight the elephant, especially now it starts cold, getting colder. You know, you wake up in the house, you ha- kind of haven't warmed it up yet, so it's kind of cold. And, you know, your bi- mind wakes up and it's like, all right, let's go to the day. Let's get, let's get ready to go. And the elephant, your body, is like in the warm blankets, right? And you're like, I'm not going anywhere. This is awesome. It's cold out there. It's warm here. That's the elephant. How many of you guys faced the elephant this morning? Anybody? Yeah? The elephant wants everything that feels good. It's the emotional part. It's the thing that, that, that we feed off of, that we, that we enjoy, we want more of. And so so in, in their study, he's saying you have, to, you have to figure out where you're the direction. The rider has to know what he's wanting to do. But then you have to motivate the elephant, the other part of us, the bigger part of us, that, that dominates and takes over and, and wants to do its own thing. You have to motivate that part to, to get in line with the rider. And then the third component is really important is you have to have the right path. Like, and you have to make the path like, clear it up a little bit for the elephant to go because if it seems too difficult, all of us eventually get tired of trying to change things. We just give up and say, it's easier just to do what I've been doing even though it's not right. It's just I know what to do. It's easier. And we go back to those things because we get tired. Uh, patience is an exhaustible resource. Like if you wonder why you, at some point there's like these breaking points because you exhaust those things and change can exhaust us if you don't have the right components in place. And so today I want to talk, how can we solve, how can we break being crazy? How can we break the, the, the cycle and the pattern of being insane? Wanting to do the same thing, wanting different results, but doing the same thing we've been doing over and over and over. How can we change that? How can we break that? Environment is a big part of it. The path is, the environment would be the circles you run in, um, your friends, the places you go. Like if there's unhealthy places you go, that's a bad environment that will not allow you to accomplish those things. So when it, co- when it comes to talking about being crazy and talking about insanity, I'm not talking about mental health. Like, like a quarter of our population struggles with some kind of mental health. I'm not talking about that. That God can heal that. I believe he can heal that. But in some cases, a lot of times we need to find people that can help us with that part of it. Um, but in this case, I'm just talking about all of us. At some point in different areas of life, every single one of us is insane because we want to change something, but we're just not willing to do it. I'll give you an example. It's not maybe the best example, but I think you, some of you can relate. In my house, uh, our guest bedroom, we turned into our office for the church. So that's our, the church office is in one of our bedrooms in our house. 
And if you go to our, that room any, any day of the week, you'll know the kind of week or weekend we had by how that room looks. Like if there's piles of stuff everywhere, you just know we had a crazy week and the week is still going crazy. Like we haven't been able to catch up or whatever. Well, some weeks that, that drives me crazy. Like little piles of paper and, you know, boxes and whatever left over from, from the weekend, from Bike for the Light, whatever it is, all that stuff is there. And, you know, you kind of scoot stuff to the side, walk around. It's not that bad. But just imagine with me, it's, 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 not, it's not what I want it to be. It's not clean. It's not organized. It's, it's out of order. And so every day I tell myself, I think tomorrow I'm going to have a free day. I'll get to it tomorrow. Like, I'm going to clean the whole thing. Or my garage. Garage gets the same way, right? You, you guys have that, the garages like that? It just kind of pile up the stuff, and you're like, oh, man, I need to clean that thing. One day when I get a free day, I'm going to clean the whole thing. And you never get a free day, so you never clean the thing, right? And so my office just continues with, with clutter. And, and, you know, some days it kind of bothers me, so I'll, you know, push the stuff to the side and move some things and organize and then I get busy doing other stuff, and I keep moving on. And it just seems very over overwhelming. Um, but if I, if I learn to break these down in better, if I learn to have a new thought uh, about these things, I could begin to, to maybe organize myself better, take some time to, to figure out systems to put in place to make those better. Because obviously, obviously something's not working there, so what do I have to change in my life? And that's really what, what we're going to be talking about today is how can we break the cycle of being crazy? Uh, I gave you all a bracelet. On your bracelet, it says I-Y-A-D-Y-W-Y-A-D-Y-A-G-W-Y-A-G, all right? And here's, I'm going to give you what it stands for in just a second. But some of you, if you haven't put it on yet, I would encourage you to put it on your bracelet, all right? Uh, I want you to wear this for a while. We'll talk about the end why. But this is, what it, this is what it stands for, all right? If you always do what you've always done, you'll always get what you've always got. If you always do what you've always done, you're going to keep getting what you've been getting, so in life, what is that thing that you've been wanting to change? Well, if you keep doing the thing you've been doing, you're going to keep getting the same results. This is part of the, pro- the, the problems that we have in our, in our culture, in our country, is, the, is the, the, the very thing that got you into the problem is not going to get you out of the problem. What I mean by that is the same thinking that got you into that issue, into that problem, into that challenge, is not going to rescue you or free you from that problem. You have to have a new way of looking at it, a new way of thinking about it, and then you, those new ideas will hopefully lead to action is kind of the, the next thing is we have to learn to, to let it lead to action. But if you keep doing what you've been doing, you're going to keep getting. Debt's a great example of this, all right? If you're in debt and you keep charging, you keep going, you keep going, well, the same behavior of charging is never going to get you out of debt, right? But I want to get out of debt, okay? But you keep charging, you keep going more and more and more and more. So what's the new thought? Stop charging, stop borrowing, start paying off, say no to the elephant. The ice cream is really good, but you have to say, no, I don't need you today. The the nice clothes that make you feel good, that's part of the elephant, right? I need to say no to that because it's going to just go on the card. All those things have to begin to say no to those things so you can say yes to the things that are better. Are you with me? You guys got really quiet. So either... Either I'm really missing it here, or you're like, oh, you hit me right on the thumb there with your hammer, right? Which brings me to the point, you know, if you keep hitting your thumb with the hammer, and you keep hitting it, and you're like, man, I want some different results, but it keeps hurting just as much. I would say we live in a new age. Why don't you pick up a screw gun, right? Get rid of the hammer. Those things don't hurt as much. You can do work a lot faster, right? Have a new thought. Have a new idea about something in life. Change the way you think. So here's what the Bible says about it. Paul tells the Romans, Romans 12, 2, he says this. He says, don't conform to the patterns of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. 
So I told you the Bible talks about these, these three things. You know, getting in the right direction, motivating that elephant, and then getting on the right path. This is a lot about environment and helping to motivate the elephant and also to think correctly. So he's telling us, don't conform to the patterns of this world. Our culture, TV, media, politics, everything around us, um, they are trying to get us to think a specific way. And it's not, I'm not saying always or that we teach are bad, but there are some very unhealthy things that we allow into our life that aren't good for us. And he's saying this, don't conform to the patterns of this world. Just because people say that's the way it is doesn't mean you have to live that way. Because a lot of times, like the, the study they're going to be doing, you know, normal isn't working. So sometimes you have to be weird. You have to get out of the normal because if, if what is normal is unhealthy, you need to get away from normal and be weird in that sense. You have to step away from that. Because when you do that, it says this, that don't conform but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. There's a lot of ways that God wants to renew your mind. He wants you to be in a think differently. One of that is when you read the Bible, when you read God's word, the Bible talks about itself as, as, as it cleanses your mind. Like when you read, when you come to church, you learn something, the Bible begins to cleanse your mind from thought patterns that are unhealthy. It actually washes your mind cleaner and cleaner the more you get into it. Why? Because it's helping you think differently about those things. When you see life in this one way over and over and over, nothing's going to change until you begin to, to think different thoughts about that thing. Whether it's how we relate to money, how we relate to your spouse, how you relate to, to grades, whatever it is, to, to school, to work. Renew your mind. Be transformed. He wants to change you. He wants to make you different. And then when you begin the process he wants to, to help you with, he says then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is for your life. His good, pleasing, and perfect will. Man, I want to live that kind of life, his good, perfect, and pleasing will. Like when God's leading and God's directing, I think we all do. In different areas, we want that kind of, kind of life. But we won't get there to be able to discern it until we begin to think correctly. We have to allow God to work in the way we think and move us from being crazy to being able to think in, in, a, in a rational and a healthy mindset. He wants to invite us in. See, the story of the prodigal son, he had to change his mind before anything changed. He had to have a new thought. He had to think differently about a situation than he had been thinking about it. Even in being in the horrible thing, in a situation, he had to be in to say, all right, I don't like where I'm at. I can keep doing what I'm doing. I'm sure I can survive for a lot longer. It's not fun. Or I can figure out a better way. I can be in to think through this process. And he had a change of mind. Throughout the Bible, there's this word that carries this, this principle throughout, throughout Scripture that God doesn't want us to miss. And the word is called Repentance. Throughout Scripture, over and over, God talks about repentance. So in the Old Testament, a lot of it's written in Hebrew. The, the word of repentance they use in Hebrew is, 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 shu, is to shuva or shuva. It means to turn or to return. The idea is, is that God is saying, I want you to walk in my direction. And you begin this journey that you're following God. All right, God, you have plans for my life. And at some point, your heart drifted in your life. Maybe your actions drifted away from what was good to what was unhealthy to what was bad. So teshuva is this idea that we're walking the wrong way, and God is saying you need to repent. You need to return to me. And it's his invitation to say you need to stop doing what is not working and return to me to what does work. So that's, that's the Old Testament, to return. The New Testament, the word in Greek, is, to, is the idea behind it is to have a change of mind. It's the same, same idea. Your, your mindset is leading you this way, unhealthiness, to, to things that aren't good. Uh, you, you're, you're going in a bad direction. Well, if you don't have a new thought and a change of mind, you're never going to be able to get back to where God has you. 
And these two, these two ideas, they, they work really good together. He's saying you have to have a change of mind and a change of heart. If you can't get your writer and your, your, your mind and, and all that to begin to think correctly, your elephant's never going to follow. It's kind of like a battle back and forth. But I want to do this. But I, God wants us to do this. And then if you add the environments in and you're walking down the wrong path with all your friends patting you on the back like, you're doing so good walking down this cliff. Hey, don't hit the bottom too hard. Right? But you keep going, you keep going, and you know the cliff is coming. Keep borrowing, keep doing what you're doing. Whatever it is, if you're in the wrong environment, your path is helping, your environment is leading you on a path in that what direction. That's why groups are so important. You need to get around people who are going to encourage you and help you to say, I don't think that's the best idea. We should probably turn around and walk that way away from the edge or away from whatever it is you're going and get in the right environment. It's important. So he's saying have a change of mind, have a change of heart, and get the right environment around you. Don't conform to the world, to the patterns of their thinking. Just because they think it doesn't mean it's right, doesn't mean it's good, doesn't mean it's true. Have a change of, of heart. Because here's what I know. Every single one of us wants something better in some area in our life. But if we keep doing what we're doing and we're not getting that result, we're crazy. The only time you should keep doing what you're doing is when you're doing something healthy and something right. But even then, I guarantee if you tweaked it or you did something different, you might even get even better results. You could learn how to be even better in that area. But typically, it's a negative context of, context of saying, if we keep doing those things, it's not going to ever get us. We all have intentions to do, do better. You have intentions to improve life. But if you don't change something, you'll never get there. Because action, it always beats intention every single day. You can intend to clean your office every single day. But if you decide to take the nap or if you decide to go for coffee, you decide something else, and those aren't necessarily all bad things, you'll never get the office clean. Because your action is saying something different than your intention. You intend to have a really good marriage. But if you don't, your actions don't follow that and you're not doing things like uh, having conversations and uh, going on, on, on walks or going on dates, your actions are saying the opposite of uh, that you really don't, that, that you're never going to fulfill. The intentions don't matter because your actions will always beat it. Intentions have to become actions if you're going to change something in your life. But to do it, you have to have a new thought, a new way of thinking about things. You have, to, you, have to, you have to change that way you're thinking about it. So we talked about the three different components you have to have, right? So the first one, direction, your rider. Part of this is you have to have things in your life that are going to continually point you in that direction. This is why church is so important. Every single Sunday, we start off our week by saying, God, I put you first. This is why when, if you're a Christ follower, we call it devotions. You devote part of your day to God, right? Maybe it's five minutes. Maybe it's ten minutes. Whatever it is, you have a time where you can pray and just talk to God. Maybe read a scripture. Um, you can, with technology, it makes it a lot easier now. You can have reminders on your phone. You can have those. The Bible app actually gives you a verse of the day. You can read that verse of the day and think about it. It's an easy way to just get it in you. This is why church is important because it's helping direct the writer. It's helping give direction to your life. Every single week when, you, when, you, when you're consistent in it, God is saying, I'm going to continually point you to that destination. Whatever that goal is that you have in life, whatever it is, you have to continually remind you about that goal. I want to be a better father. I want to be a better student. Whatever it is, I have to figure out how to do it. Because if, if you're getting C's in math, right, well, just keep doing what you're doing, and you'll keep getting the C's. But if you want an A, there has to be a new thought, new, new actions behind it. Maybe a little more homework, maybe some tutoring, maybe a conversation with the teacher, whatever it is, right? And there's some steps there. So you have to direct it, point, continually point to that goal, and then identify steps to get to that goal. What are some steps? I identified some. If you want a healthy relationship with God, one of those steps is, man, be faithful in church. Be, be faithful in reading and, and praying. 
These are some steps that you have to take. And then look for what's working. Look around you and find out, all right, that guy has, I want a really good, I want to be a great business businessman or businesswoman. Man, they do a really good job in their job. I should go learn from them. You look for what's working to help give you direction, to help you lead you on that journey. The second part of that is motivation for the elephant, right? For the big part of us that, that, that feels and, 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 and hurts and, and thinks and gets tired and, and, and just gets upset and gets cranky, all that part, all that part of us. What do we do there? Well, once you identify those steps, you have to shrink those steps. You have, to, you have to put some actions behind it. You know, it's, well, I have to do all these things to get better grades in, in algebra. No, it's four things. So let's figure out one of those things, and let's just start doing one of them right now. Let's shrink that step. What can we do right now? Let's have a conversation with your teacher. All right, I can do that. Maybe she'll give me some action steps. My, cleaning my desk. Let's shrink it down. What if today we just focused on just the desk? Let's just get the desk, like, spot, you know, clean. Like, just get it really nice. You break down this desk so your elephant doesn't freak out and think that you're asking it to climb a mountain. Because that happens, and your elephant gets tired and says, I'm tired of this. It's too much work. I want to just go do the easy thing. Let's go back to bed, right? I want to give up. You have to shrink the steps. You have to have a growth mindset that says, you know, I'm going to continue doing this even when it's hard, even when it's challenging. And then you have to fill it and really understand why you're doing this. And you might think, but you don't understand. My elephant is really big. Like, it doesn't let me do anything. It just takes over. Well, I think looking at parents is probably the best way that we can see how to beat the elephant, Right? All of a sudden, now you have this little kid screaming in the middle of the night, and your elephant is saying, no, don't get up. But you understand that you, you know why it's important to get up and check on the baby. And all of a sudden, you begin to tell your elephant to be quiet. It's not the most important person right now. There's a little person that needs your attention, needs your help. Why is it so easy then to change? Because we understand the why. We understand there's something greater at risk. There's something more important, right? And we beat it. So in life, we have to fill those things Part of the reminders is we can't miss this because if we do, we'll wake up and our kids will be graduated and we didn't spend all the time we wanted to spend with them or whatever it is. We wake up and we're married 40 years, but really don't have that good of a relationship. We're down the road and we can't retire because we didn't think about those things about getting out of debt and saving for retirement because the elephant kept saying, feed me now. Who cares about the future right now? And we lose out on that. So you have to shrink those steps, get a growth mindset. And, and, and begin to, tell, to understand why. Knowing is not enough. All of us know what to do, but a lot of times we don't act on it. We don't put that knowledge to use because it's too, too big sometimes. And then the third part of this is when it comes to environment in the path, man, get in healthy environments. They say healthy marriages run in circles, right? Divorce runs in circles. Uh, unhealthy habits run in circles. All these things run in circles. You have to get people around you that are healthy to help you learn to be healthy. The environment that you're in is super, super important because healthy people have healthy habits. That's why they're healthy, because they're doing healthy things. They're doing the right things, and health runs in circles. So you find yourself around a lot of people that are very unhealthy financially, relationally. You need to say, I need to get around people that have a little better grasp on, on life and on these things. It's not those people are bad. I hope you can pray for them and love them and, and one day help them out. But you need to get out of that so you can become healthy yourself before you help anybody else. Because health, it follows patterns. Health follows patterns. It's a habit. It's something you do continually over and over and over. It's not a destination. It's a process. Like you don't just become healthy one day. You have to stay healthy. You have to continually work at those things to be healthy. So if health follows a pattern, here's the truth, is that so does unhealthiness. It also follows a pattern. If you're unhealthy in an area, it's because you're in a pattern. You keep doing the same thing you've been doing, hoping to get a different result. You keep doing the same thing, hoping it's going to change. 
but you keep doing the same thing. One day it's going to change. It's not unless you begin to have a different way of thinking about this, a different way of looking at life. And when it comes to the people around us and environments we place ourselves in, environments can act either as a break and they can help us from going off the cliff, or they can act as an accelerant pushing the gas saying, go for it, go for it, yeah, yeah. Oh, he died. And they could push us off the edge. Who you're around and the environments you're in can either slow you down, and, and it works both ways. It can slow you down from going the wrong way, or it could push you faster going the wrong way, or it can bad, bad environments can break you and stop you from going in the good direction, or good, good environments can push you in the right direction, saying, go for it, you can get there. Yeah, believe in you. You can make it to that destination. It's, it's possible you can get there. So what environments are you in? And, and what is your elephant speaking and saying to you that has been holding you back? That your writer has known for a long time, I need to change that thing. I need to do that. Because the truth is, if we're all insane, and we all, we're all crazy, we're all insane at some point because we keep doing the same thing going over and over, the good news is that God is not insane. One of the words that used for God is peace. In the, in the Bible, in, in the Hebrew, it's, the, the word is shalom, for peace. I mean, our peace, we kind of think like just, you know, calm, all that, you know, there's no war. That word in the Bible is so much greater than that. Shalom, or his peace, is wholeness. It's, it's health. It's stability. It's like, it's, it's sound mind. It's, it's wholeness of mind. It's, 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 you don't have to worry about anything because there's, there's peace there. There's sanity. Sanity is a condition of having a healthy mind. That's what God is. His mind doesn't change. He has his mind set up. He knows what's happening, and, and he doesn't change his actions from day to day. It's, it's consistent. It's healthy actions. It's, 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 uh, it knows the direction. It knows the future. It's moving that same direction. It's helping us with reason and, and rationale and good judgment. So in, in this process, God is saying, Would, let me help you in this because I know how this works. I know what works. I know what's going to help you. Let me help you. Let me be your peace so you can have peace. And can I tell you, when I do life God's way, I'm at peace. I don't worry about things. When I do it my way that doesn't work, man, I'm always worrying about things. I'm always frustrated. How can we learn to do it his way? Well, in, in, in one of the, the first story, messages Jesus gave, it's called the Sermon on the Mount. The first part of it, they call them, they call them Beatitudes. There's eight, eight verses, that he, eight little teachings he gives. And the Beatitudes essentially are, are happy are these people or blessed are these people that they do these things. And he goes down this list, and they almost seem kind of contradictory. Like they're kind of confusing. Like what do you mean? Like the first one, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Like what do you mean blessed are the poor? Like you'd think the rich in, in spirit would be blessed. No, blessed are the poor in spirit, he says. Happy are these people. They understand what life's about. Maybe another translation will help you. I love the message. It says it like this, Matthew 5, 3. You're blessed when you're at the end of your rope. With less of you, there is more of God and his rule. It's kind of like this idea that there has to be a place where we recognize that we cannot do it on our own. We can't do it on our own. We're at the end of the rope like, all right, I've tried my most, my best, and I'm just here, and nothing's working for me. And God says, now can I step in? And it's at the point we say, yeah, I guess you can. And he says, just trust me and just let go and I'll, I'll lead you. You can stop doing it on your own. You can't do it on your own. You can't ever attain what you, what, what you want to attain with it by yourself. You need help. It's a recognition that, that God is God and we are not. And we need his help. You want to break the cycle of insanity? One of the best steps is to say, God, I need your help to figure out how to do this. I can't do it on my own. I keep doing the same things over and over, expecting something different. It's not working. Please help me. 
And God loves it when we ask for help because he says, now I can help you. You're ready to move forward. You're ready to move beyond. You know, today we celebrate two years as a church. You know, it's, it's, a, great, it's a great thing. But for, the, for me, I actually celebrate seven years. Because it was 70 years ago that God began to, this, this process of putting a dream in my heart to start a church that would make an impact. And, and, and half of those years, about three, three and a half of those years, were the hardest, hardest emotional years of my life. They were difficult. The process of, of beginning to go through this process of preparing was really, really difficult. But what it is, it was God was saying, you, you keep trying to do it all on your own. You, you, you don't realize that you can't do it without my help. And the other part of it is he's saying, if you really want to accomplish this in life, you can't live with this kind of thinking. You have to begin to elevate the way you think about things and the way you process things. And so the reason it was so difficult, because I was thinking like this about problems, when really he's saying you need to think like this. So every problem we would face, it would be really painful, and I'd be really upset and angry and mad at God and others and saying, why is it so difficult? It should be easy. And he's saying, because at some point you're going to face something more difficult than this. And if you can't beat this, you're never going to be able to beat this next thing that's more difficult. And it was a process of God saying, just trust me in this. Have a new way of thinking about it. Like almost having your house foreclosed on. That was a big deal. First house we bought, you know, in the market was 2006, was up here. It dropped. We're underwater. We can't do anything with our house. We can't sell it. We can't get out of it. It's kind of like the next step is just let it go, walk away. What do you do? And then all this other stuff piles up on top of it. The pressure just sitting there, and you're thinking, this is really difficult. And then at one point, I have a conversation with my wife. My thinking is like this, right? Like, this is the worst thing in the world. And then my wife and I have this conversation, and she says, all right, so well, this is not a healthy situation. Not good. We admit that. It's not, we, don't, we don't like it. But she said, so what, what if we lose it all? What's the big deal? Like, like let's walk through this. Let's, let's, let's watch the whole movie. We lose the house. All right, I'm still married to you. And I'm like, yeah. And then she's like, we still have our kids, right? I'm like, yeah. We have family that loves us. They'll take us in, right? Yeah. It'll take us, what, seven years to rebuild our credit? Yeah. And all of a sudden, the thinking down here was like, you know what? We're thinking about this all wrong. Let's just embrace whatever God has and say yes to him, and let's move forward. And you know what happened? In just a couple months, all these things begin to kick in. Banks begin to help us. Other things begin to happen. We didn't lose the house. And it was, it was pretty incredible when we thought it was the worst because our thinking began to elevate and say, this is really not that important. And then other things would come up, and we'd face other difficulties. And I've learned now that every difficulty I face, a lot of times it feels like it's the hardest thing. It's God's way of saying, just, just trust me in this because there might be something even harder, but it's going to help so many more people. Trust me in this. No matter how hard it gets, push through it. Because if my level, of, my threshold of, of pain um, my comfort of pain is right here. And God is saying, I want you to do, lead even higher and do even better. I'll never get there because it'll always stop me and saying it's too hard. It's too difficult. My elephant said no, so I can't do it. It's really hard to make change in my life. And we get stuck at a lower place of living because we're not willing to push through that. And all God is the whole time is saying, would you have a new thought? Would you have a change of mind? Would you repent from your ways of thinking? Would you begin to walk towards me? This is how we beat addictions. This is how we beat difficulties in our life is we push through even when it's hard and we don't give up because the thing that you're hoping for is just around the corner if you don't give up. But if you give up, you lose and everybody else loses because God wants something more for you so he can help so many other people in life succeed. So here's my challenge today. Wow, it's already 11.03. Sorry, I got, 
uh, caught up in that last part. Our challenge is this. Have a new thought. Stop doing what's not working and start, so you can start doing something that will work. Have a new thought. So the bracelet you have on your, on your wrist, you know, some of you need to go back out there in a while and get maybe two or three bracelets and put on some extras because you're doing a whole lot of things. I'm not even joking. You think I'm joking. But you need to go put on a whole bunch of other ones. And all these bracelets you need to wear until you, you identify that, name it, what it is. My desk is really, my office is unmanageable, right? So this is my insanity bracelet this, this week. My, my office is unmanageable. So what are the new thoughts? Well, I probably need to wake up a little earlier. I probably need to figure out how to schedule that in my, my calendar to make sure I organize stuff. Important papers that just get piled up that need to be organized. So I'm going to wear this until I have a new thought about my office. What is your issue? What is your thing? And like I said, maybe you have multiple things. People are like, why do you have 20 bracelets on? I got a lot of issues, man. All right? And then as you break, begin to break those issues, you can begin to break off the bracelet. Because if you keep doing what you've been doing, you'll keep getting what you've always got in your life. And God is saying, stop thinking like this. Let's start thinking like this. Let's move beyond that. Let's move beyond to something greater, something better. Actions will always beat intention. If you intend to do it, you don't give it a name, you don't do anything about it, those intentions will always stay there, but nothing will ever change. So do something about it. Have a new thought. Don't be crazy. Don't be insane. So today, here's, here's, here's what I want to invite for the next part, of the last part of this service. If you're here today and you're not a Christ follower, maybe you've come, and what I, what I share today, that is for anybody. That's not just for Christians. So those principles will apply to you. But here's my invitation. If you are here today, and you're in a cycle of craziness, you're in a cycle of insanity, you're in a cycle of maybe very destructive behavior, maybe addictions, maybe patterns of, of uh, thought patterns that have kept you at, uh, away from God, away from healthy things. If you're here today, the first step, like we talked about, that Jesus said, it blessed are those are poor in spirit, your first step is admitting that you need God's help in all of this. The Bible says that when we repent, return to God, like he begins to work in our lives for good. The Bible says that when we confess and we turn back to him, so repentance is stopping what you're doing and doing something new. So we have to stop those, those things that are, dis, that are displeasing to God. The Bible calls them sin, like we break God's law. He says you have to stop doing those things, lying, cheating, stealing, killing, whatever those things are that are going on. We have to stop that and turn to him. But the first part is you have to give that a name. You have to say, God, I'm wrong. That's sin. I've broken your commands. I've broken my relationship with you. Forgive me. Help me. And today I want to invite you to, 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 to be able to take that step. I guarantee you, when you let God work in your life, he'll begin to help you in greater ways than you ever imagined he could. He doesn't fix everything and make everything perfect, but he begins to help you push through that, that difficulty. He begins to give you new ideas and new thoughts, new ways of thinking. In fact, the Bible says that those who come to Christ are like a new creation. They have a, a fresh start, a new start at life. So do me a favor. Would you close your eyes and bow your heads today as we wrap up? If you're here today and I'm talking to you about just making unhealthy choices, and today you're willing to admit, I recognize that I cannot do this on my own. Like, I am not God. And I've been trying for so long, but I'm just not doing it. And today I want to have a new thought, a new way of thinking about things. Today I want to invite God to lead me. See, a Christian just means somebody who follows Christ's teachings. It means it follows Christ's actions, not just his teaching, but what he did. We become like him. And I want to invite you to take that first step of saying, God, I invite you to lead me. I invite you into my life. Come and forgive me. Come and help me on this journey. If you're here today, 
Would you do me a favor and just raise your hand? Let me know that you're here today and you want to pray that prayer with me. I'm not going to have you stand up or call you to the front. Awesome. I see your hand. I see your hand. Thank you. Anybody else? If you raise your hand, I'm going to lead you in a prayer. It's just a simple prayer saying, God, I need your help. Forgive me. Help me on this journey. The rest of us, would you join those, those that raise their hand today? Just join in praying. They're not praying alone. Say, Father God, today I admit that I cannot do it on my own. I recognize that I am a sinner and I am in need of you, my Savior. Help me. I believe you died on that cross for me, for my sins, to give me a way back to you. I believe you're alive today and you have good plans for my life. Forgive me of my old way of thinking and help me have a new way of thinking and a new way of living. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.